On Florida's Space Coast, we think you can have the best of both worlds. Kind of like right now. Driving, at your desk, maybe at the gym, but you're also grooving to some music. Visit us and you'll go to the beach and see a rocket launch. Or go kayaking and manatee spotting. It's all waiting for you on the only beach that doubles as a launch pad. Plan your adventure today at visitspacecoast.com. Direct from Montreal, Canada, this is Rock Talk with Mitch LaFon. Rock Talk with Mitch LaFon. Welcome to this episode of Rock Talk with Mitch LaFon. Joining me on the phone from the band Megadeth, it is David Ellison. He has some exclusive news for you today, so do check that out. And I have a bunch of interviews sitting in the can. Uh, Zach Wilde, Seether, Mark LaFrance, Charm City Devils, uh, Desmond Child, Peter Noon, Doro, Dean Castronovo, David Glenn Isley, uh, and a bunch more. And on my socials, I ask folks, should I do uh, two, three, four guests an episode or just stick to one and just put out a few more episodes? So uh, overwhelmingly, folks said, Mitch, just just stick to one. So that's what we're going to do today. You're going to have... Uh, David Ellison, and uh, tomorrow you will have Zach Wild, and we'll get to the other ones later. Now, uh, over the Christmas break, my kids are home from uh, school for, for two weeks, so I will be home with them. So what I will do is most likely try to pump out sort of one episode a day during that, that time period just to sort of fill the void of me just sort of sitting here doing nothing, which, hey, it's a great thing, but uh, I think that's what I'll do is I'll, I'll release those episodes as a uh, Christmas present, I guess. Um, Speaking of Christmas presents, the Motley Crue, Def Leppard, Poison, and Joan Jett tour went on sale. And um, Fox 6 News reported that the Miller Park show was the fastest sellout in that park's history. So, yeah, you know what? A lot of folks are going, well, stadiums are too big. You know, yeah. Fastest sellout in Miller Park history. That's it. That's all you need to say. And I think... Part of the success of the tour is the supply and demand part of it. 22 shows. That's it. You got to go to one of these 22 shows to see this package. If they had done 60 dates, if they had done, we're going to do, you know, 40 dates in the States and 20 dates in uh, Europe, and then I think people would have been like, all right, well, I'll just wait till it comes to my town and we'll be good. But with uh, this limited supply, it's like, dude, if you want to see this, you're going to have to fly in from wherever you are to go to Boston, to go to the cities, to go to Miller Park, and so on and so forth. So um, I'm not surprised. Uh, I'm, I'm really not surprised that uh, it sold so well. Uh, the other thing in the news that uh, came out that was uh, somewhat disturbing to me was uh, Huey Lewis uh, gave an interview to a... Um, publication, I guess, in Montana, unless I'm mistaken. And in that conversation, he, he revealed that he was suicidal after his hearing loss uh, diagnosis. And he, he explained that he was contemplating taking a, a bucket full of, of pills, and that would be the easiest way to do it. And, and boy, you know, nothing, nothing can make me sadder than to hear that. I mean, you know, there's all kinds of mental health issues that can lead people to suicide and depression. And then there's this with 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 the hearing, the hearing loss that is so severe that it just drives you nuts that you just want to say, F it, I'm, I'm done. And um, 
well, I don't, I don't, I don't even know how to react to that. It, it's just incredibly, incredibly sad. And, 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 um, you know, in from that news coming out, I have been down this rabbit hole of Huey Lewis. Uh, my my playlist of Huey Lewis music in my phone stands right now at 195 songs. And for the last month or so, I play it all the way through. And then I start back at song one and I play it all the way through. And, and uh, you know, I've even been emailing with one of the uh, band members uh, about, uh, different things. And, and so the, and of course, you know, 19, I guess, 83, when, when sports came out, that was my world. I mean, that, that was the album of the year for me. It was the one that I had on repeat every single day. I, I must've heard those nine songs in 1983, 1984. I must've heard those nine songs literally uh, a thousand times each. I, I mean, I, I really must've, cause I just, I played it. And then I played it again. And because it was such a short album, I just, you know, what, what was it? 33 minutes from that. It was just easy. There, there is even, and I'm, I'm not going to admit this very often, but there is even a video of me at the age of 14 lip syncing to the entire album. It is uh, with a tennis racket, if I'm not mistaken, it is disturbing. <laughs> it is really disturbing. Uh, but no, I'm not going to put clips of that anywhere. Uh, that is going to stay hidden in the vault and hopefully the tape that it's on will uh, disintegrate over time. I, I can't throw it out because that's just wrong, but it ain't going to get played anywhere. Uh, but anyway, uh, so, so that's sad news with, with Huey Lewis. It's, it's, uh, you know, such a, such a great guy, such a great band, such, such a voice, you know, uh, heart and soul, for example, uh, which was a cover and and uh, do you believe in love which was also a cover when you hear the originals you go ooh ooh okay and then you hear Yui's voice on them and you go ah oh, do you believe in love's a freaking massive single uh and you didn't you didn't hear that with the original version uh so so to lose that voice and i guess technically we've lost that voice because of the ear thing he can't record anymore but anyway uh they do have a new album coming out in february i believe on valentine's day called Weather, and uh, two tracks are available now on all the streaming sites and Apple and all that stuff, and I love them. I think it is classic, classic, classic Yui Lewis. So if you love Yui, you know, uh, certainly uh, pick those two up, and uh, if you are feeling as uh, devastated as I am by the news that he was con contemplating suicide, you know, maybe go over to the Yui Lewis socials and just leave a message of, hey, Yui, we, we got you. Uh, we support you in this. Um, anyway, uh, on with the show. Here is, without further ado, revealing a new project, an exclusive new project. The first place you're going to hear about it is right here. Here is the one, the only, Megadeth's David Ellefson. We are speaking with uh, Megadeth bassist David Ellefson. Uh, as we say in Montreal, toujours un plaisir, always a pleasure. Bonjour, monsieur. How are you? I am doing well, Mitch. Nice to chat with you, man. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, normally when we get on the phone, we do a whole uh, tell me the history of and let's focus on Megadeth and what's Megadeth doing. But but let's focus on some of the stuff outside of Megadeth here for, for a bit. Um, you, of course, did the Sleeping Giants album. You 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 have the coffee. You've done the base clinics. You're doing the the, the second book, but you're also doing movies. Uh, this uh, Drew Fortier wrote a movie called Dwellers, a 
horror movie, I guess, for the lack of a better word. Uh, talk to me about sort of expanding the empire, you know, the, the David Ellison empire of entertainment. Talk, talk to sure. me. Sure. <laughs> yeah. 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 Well, like I say, you know, it started with a record label, then it branched over into coffee. And now we have Ellison Films, which is a production house. Uh, very similar, quite honestly, to the EMP label group, um, where this first uh, film is being created from the ground up. Drew Fortier, who did a documentary film on the band Bang Tango and then joined Bang Tango for a brief period. A uh, friend of ours, he worked uh, with us at EMP label group, behind the scenes stuff. But he's a great guitar player, singer, songwriter, and just a really artistic, cool guy. And he approached me and my partner, Tom Hazer, just a couple of months ago, a few months ago, I guess, about this film idea, Dwellers. And the idea, the concept of it is that in this small little town, um, the homeless people, uh, the epidemic's pretty out of control. And then suddenly these homeless, homeless people go missing. So Drew puts together a, a film team to make a documentary movie about the homeless people going missing. And in making that movie, the peop- Drew and his cast also go missing. And um, it's it's very much we're calling it in the in the Blair Witch genre of the kind of home uh, home movie footage type of uh, genre. Um, But it's 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 very cool. I mean, when he approached me about it, I I didn't know Drew had the aptitude for it, quite honestly. Um, And it was it was very cool. He's great as an actor. He's got a great concept for writing and. you know, to the degree that he and I are now, um, I'm, I, I started to write, I wanted to write a fictional book. And this, I'm kind of breaking news for you. I've never told anybody about this yet. But I, I've always wanted to write a fictional book because I've written uh, a how-to music business book in the 90s and then I've written two memoirs. And so I, an idea came to me in a discussion with a friend just literally a couple weeks ago. Um, and um, and I because I wanted to write write fiction. Um and, and so the idea came to me and, you know, I think you kind of start with things that are close to home to you. And, uh, I hit drew up and I said, Hey man, I got this idea for a, for a fiction, uh, novel concept, kind of an action thriller. Um, and, um, so we, he and I are actually collaborating now on a, on a, on a, on my first ever fiction novel. And, um, so we've just created the Ellison books imprint, um, whereby we can, do the same thing. We can either, you know, imprint things up to bigger late up to bigger book publishers. We can, you know, all the way down to self-published stuff. So yeah, so we're expanding with Ellison Films, Ellison Books, and um, Tom Hazard is actually working on a new book with uh, Chris Poland, which is an incredible story because you know I think on some level, um, you know, I I think probably me especially I probably tend to watch what I put in the book because. Um, you know, these are real people that are alive and they've got, you know, history and, and, and I'm in Megadeth. Um, whereas Chris, you know, he had a history before Megadeth and was in Megadeth for a period and then he's not. And he's, his, his book is exceptionally good. Uh, just the bits of the manuscript that I've seen. And, um, it's something the Megadeth fans are going to definitely want to read. So, um, You know, and it's kind of interesting because with the fictional title that I'm writing, you know, I think like a lot, I think kind of like John Grisham, you know, I love that he's a lawyer and then he started writing these sort of law adventure thriller books. And I'm doing the same thing. You know, there's probably some things that I can write in my first fictional book that are somewhat autobiographical. Um, 
And uh, but yet, you know, because I'm creating characters and, and you know, a, a fictional storyline, you know, you can sort of bring some reality into the into the characters and even into a little bit of the storyline in, 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 in a twisted kind of way. So um, it's a it's a fun thing. It's a cool thing to be a part of right now. So, all right. Boy, that opens up a, a can of worms for all kinds of questions. So l- let me start with this one. Talk to me about it on a creative level. Mm-hmm. Is it something that just sort of, you know, refreshes the creative juices and then eventually it'll it'll lead to, you know, bigger, better Megadeth songs? Is it, you know, ultimately does it come back to the music or is this a different spark that you haven't done before and you've just, it, it's just going to be a, a new challenge? And talk to me about it sort of creatively. Does it, does it, I don't want to make it, does it make you youthful <laughs> in a sense? You know, does it, does it get you going? Yeah. Or, okay. Yeah, no good, no good, good questions. Yeah, and and you know, I think that they're all very separate. You know, I mean, Megadeth is its own entity. Um, certain songs and concepts and sounds fit within that paradigm. Uh, the things that I did with my Ellison Sleeping Giant solo record, um, a lot more freedom because it's my first one. So I, there, you know, there isn't really sort of a die cast yet for that, um, other than what people know me for in Megadeth. And I think. I already bucked that trend earlier in the year when me and Frank Bello put out our Altitudes and Attitude record. Um, people heard a very different side to me and Frank, his two probably well-known thrash metal bass players. They heard an entirely different side to our musical scope with that. So I think people have come to expect that with me. You know, that, that yeah, look, Megadeth's the big gig, and, and when I'm there, I'm doing that. They, you know, we, we learned many years ago in the late 90s in particular that when it says Megadeth on that album, cover it it needs to sound like megadeth and um so you know we keep that certainly special and unique but you know over to this this film and and books you know division now that we've divisions that we've started um with our with our companies here it's i think it's it's very it's very different in the sense that you know when you write a song um you've got a sort of a musical structure in place. And, and then you put the lyric and essentially you put the story inside of that music in the form of a lyric and lyrics have to, uh, have a certain cadence, maybe oftentimes a rhyme scheme to them. Uh, it's usually some kind of a rep- you know, repetition, especially in a chorus. Um, so, you know, there's, there's obviously an art to that. That's a real craft to write a, a song especially a song that is successful, that, that, that connects with people. Um, but I think when you're writing uh, either a, a book, and again, you know, autobiographical books, you're telling your, your life story. But even that has confines and structure to it, you know, in a way that an audience is going to want to read it. What I'm finding writing in a, a fictional novel, because I read a lot of fiction, you know, it's kind of like when I was growing up with my Kiss and Van Halen and Judas Priest records. You know, I learned how to do Megadeth based on what I saw my heroes do, right? And I, and, I, and I think writing the books and doing the film is very similar. You know, we've got our heroes who have gone before us. Um, you know, for me, probably again, you know, everything from Grisham to Dean Koontz and you know, all that stuff in the fiction realm that, that I like, that I've read in the past. And of course, in the film thing, you know, it could be everything from you know, Pulp Fiction to, you know, the good, the bad, and the ugly, depending on the genre you want to go in, you know. But I think there's, um, what's fun about it is that when it's new to us, like it is for uh, for me and Drew and Tom, um, we also can kind of be free of, 
maybe, you know, um, some of the standards that are, that are set, you know, um, and that, that's very freeing, you know, it's like, we can kind of dream up whatever we want and, and cast the, you know, cast the line in the water and, and, um, and yeah. really well, get the, 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 well, that's the gotta be tank. rewarding in a sense that you're right. When you're within Megadeth or the Megadeth paradigm, you know, you sort of have to have a certain lyric or a certain song structure. You, you can't, you know, come in with a, flowery country song you know so <laughs> right so right and and and, and, it's, and to that end i think dave and i you know we're very hard on ourselves because you know we've look we've got look right now we're working on album 16 so we're very careful never to repeat any lyric and sometimes it's only a couple of words you know it's like oh now we use that something like that in high speed dirt you know oh no we use something like that back on you know, last rites love to death. You know what I mean? So we're, it, you, you tend to be, you know, as you go on, it, it's, it's not like that creative process gets more wide. It gets more narrow because, you know, even if we have a riff pattern, you know, and we, you know, we, we move notes around within a riff. We're like, nope, can't do that. We already did that back on, you know, album three, you know, or nope, you can't do that. We, there's a song of dystopia that's got that same exact chord pattern movement to it, you know? So in a lot of ways, you know, your first album, your first book, your first movie, I guess, in this case, are sometimes the most rewarding. And, and maybe, you know, look, I never thought about it until you and me just having this conversation right now. That may be one of the reasons why I find these ventures so exciting and so creatively rewarding, because there really is no confines. You know, they're brand new. And it's it's, you know, you're you're you know, you, uh, as the saying goes, you know, you've got your whole life to write your first album and about nine months to write your second one, <laughs> you know. And, because... and that's what I was getting at with the earlier question, because the, if you weren't doing this other stuff and day in, day out, it was just Megadeth, Megadeth. Me after all these years, there would be, I guess, a creative exhaustion where you just go, oh, all right, we're going to go make album 16. <laughs> but this is sort of the renewal where you go, OK, we'll go do 16, but I'm going to write this movie. And I'm going to write yeah. this book and I'm going to come up with new coffee flavors and I'm going to do. And I think that's what keeps it. Is that sort of how can I put this? Is that sort of the key to a successful career and a successful music career is to have, I don't want to say distractions, but other interests that sort of keep the main thing fresh and rewarding when you do come back to it? You know, Guys, this is like sitting on the on the couch at the psychiatrist's office right now, Mitch. Wow. I've, never, I've never, really never had these <laughs> conversations, but it's funny. Uh, I should probably be paying you two hundred dollars. Listen, I, I did I did do a master's in psychology, so perhaps, <laughs> I, I, perhaps, I can tell. you're Bob Newhart. I can tell you got it. Um, you know, but it's I, you know you're you're probably right. I mean, you know, in my you know latest memoir, the More Life or Death book, you know, I think the overarching theme of that is just say yes, just say yes to life. You know, when when Mitch calls, do the interview. When you know Megadeth calls, we need to write a record, go write a record. When Tom calls and says, hey, let's let's put together a solo album, sure, no problem. You know, and I've learned to do that because I think when you say yes to life, it's it's more fun and it just opens up this these endless possibilities and and you know it's it's you know lack of a better pun, I guess, is, you know, you throw lines in the water, you're bound to catch more fish, you know, and, and it isn't so much for what you're going to get out of it, but what you continue to give, you know, and that's, that's kind of a, you know, maybe a little bit of a different paradigm. Um, because I, I find that when you're giving and giving and giving, 
Um, you know, like, look, the good Lord gave each of us a talent, whatever that may be, and some special gifts to do things. And, you know, if you just keep it to yourself, it, it's, it's kind of a, a dim light, you know, and I think when you just continue to push those forward and, and especially when you can connect with other people, because that, let's face it, I mean, the songs you and I grew up with that, you know, we talk about to this day, I see you post stuff on Facebook. So does Monty Connor from Nuclear Blast. You know, he posts different album covers of you know records I grew up on. And it's funny how, you know, when, when, when we post these things, it pulls us together. We go, oh, man, I like that, too. I, oh, really, I like that, too. And, you know, which album? Oh, album three. Oh, man, I love that one. That's my favorite, too. And, you know, this, this, this community that we build. And I think now more than ever, you know, because of the social media aspect, you know, we can communicate to each other around the world with so many different people over, you know, our favorite album, our favorite movie, our favorite book. And um, so to me, the collaborative spirit uh, is, is always important to me, you know, and I, and even in these companies that we have, it's nice that we've got these, you know, we're a team, you know, we're, um, we, you know, it's funny. I, I watched that Jerry Seinfeld that YouTube thing that he's got that, you know, comedians in cars right. getting coffee. And I've really come to appreciate a few comedians. Uh, Seth Rogen is one that I, you know, I didn't watch his movies that much. And then suddenly I saw him on that and, and, you know, I had a real appreciation for who he is, his comedy style and that, you know, he goes to work every day in his office and they drum up, they dream up ideas and then they turn them into movies and things like that. And he stars in them and writes them and, you know, he's got a big piece in it. And I, and I, and I really have been thinking about that a lot because that's kind of what our world is over here in the EMP land. You know, the Ellison empire, as Tom calls it, the EMP ire <laughs> is, is that's what it is. It's just a team. We're on the phone every day. We're constantly brainstorming, thinking ideas come to us at all hours of the day and night. We call, we text, we email and you know, we've even got my Andy Martingelli, my guitar player from over in Italy, who was, uh, did my Sleeping Giants tour over there. You know, he's, I've got him tasked to be the musical director on a handful of things for me now. We're actually working on a couple of new songs for the new Ellison solo songs. And, um, you know, so I like that our world is really wide and there's a lot of people in it. Um, you know, and I, I think, you know, Probably that's how every big company, every big company, Universal, MGM, and otherwise, you know, they started with a couple of dudes with an idea, and then it just grew from there. And and, and I yeah. like that. I, I like to feel that we're 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 big, we're and, and we're wide in the sense that that it's inclusive to a lot of people bringing their ideas into it. Yeah, and so when you uh, when you head up the uh, podcasting division, I'll I'll take care of that. But no. <laughs> exactly, Ellison no. Podcast, uh, you, you'll be hired. I'll be hired. You. But I I, <laughs> I, I, I got to ask you this, uh, just real quick on 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 the uh, book writing. Is that with the the sense of I want to do one book and put it in a feather in my cap and I'm done? Is it about creating a series, you know, like a Nancy Drew or something, where you're going to have the same you know, characters or the same sort of storyline come back over and over in three, four, five books. Is it separate books? No, it's more of that. In fact, I'd say what it is, you know, it's funny again, I use the John Grisham thing because you kind of start close to home with what you know. And I followed Grisham books for, you know, most of his, most of his writing career, uh, starting with the firm probably, you know, and, and it, and it hit me. It's like, you know, this is very clever. This is his world. He knows he's very trained in this. And yet now he's stepping out and he's, you know, retired lawyer, he's writing fiction. And so he kept it close to home. So this first book concept is, you know, I was talking to a friend. He goes, man, you're always gone. You're always around the world. It's like you're a secret agent. I thought, fuck, that's a great idea. 
like, you know, kid from the Midwest goes to Hollywood, becomes rock star. And, you know, little as he know, he's signing a deal with the devil, which is basically what the music business is anyway. <laughs> and uh, while he gets to be rich and famous being a rock star, now he has to go, you know, his day job is to kill people for the agency. And uh, and I was just like, man, what a fucking great idea. So, it, it you know, I, I guess started I got to work on it. And, um, you know, that's that. And I and it's funny as the concept goes, um you know, it's which has a double entendre to it, because a lot of what we do in life is, you know, if I'm only over there, if I can only achieve that, everything will be great. But in order to achieve that, you all you always sell a little piece of your soul and a little piece of your life in exchange for some bigger prize. You know, and um, I like the, what I like about writing these, a book that I'm really finding fascinating. I mean, I'm in it every day. I wake up, I write, I go to bed, I'm writing and and what I love about it is that the twists and the turns, and that's why Drew is a great collaborator with me because we share, we, we've kind of agreed upon a, a, some characters, a storyline, and, and agreed upon the voice of it um, and the voice of the main character. And, and, and it is that. I mean, man, you can, you can take the story, go down all these different twists and turns that you could, you could never do that in a song because a song's too short. And I think the lyric, um, the timeline to develop the, the idea is shorter in a song with a book. It, it's kind of limitless, you know, and if the idea is too big for one book, you can stop and then create a sequel. And of course, now that we have the film company, every I'm thinking and Drew and I agree that as we write this first book, we think, you know, okay, let's also be thinking screenplay and where the edit points are in this, that we could eventually turn this into a film. So, um, See, you just it, took my next question. I was actually going to ask you about, uh, are these eventually to be screenplays? So I guess in a sense, yes. And and by the way, when you said you're like a CIA agent, suddenly I had this dream of, you know, the uh, the next Bond series is going to be about a rock band that goes around the world touring, but they're actually secret agents. <laughs> <laughs> I'm telling you, man. I'm trademarking I'm right, that. I'm writing the book now. Trust me. <laughs> and, it, you know, again, it, and it's I'm just, you know, I'm being very transparent. I'm just even putting the idea out there for everybody to hear. But, you know, again, it's very kind of this action thriller almost horror but uh you know back to back to something that i that i know and again it's not about me obviously but you know to you know just you know again the kind of the grishan concept you sort of start with what you know you know and 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 i found i think that was probably the frustrating thing is i thought about writing fiction i was sort of reaching out into the abyss of you know something that i that i had no context around you know what i mean so when when i was chatting with my buddy a couple weeks ago and you know, he was just mentioning this secret agent thing i was like god that's the perfect thing because what a great disguise like hiding in plain sight hiding is a famous guy you know and uh um yet having you know dirty deeds done dirt cheap on the side you know so uh you know it's sort of it's it, there's a lot of fun with it I, I i see it being a very it's it's turning into a very cool rock and roll book it'll be fun to read for the rock and roll people um, and, 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 you know, you kind of almost don't know where the autobiographical and, and the fantasy sort of ends at certain times. So it's, it's a lot of fun to, that's great you know, to explore this. Yeah. I love that. And uh, listen, we said we we're going to do 20 minutes today cause we, we, we've done many of these. We don't need to do the history of, but, sure. uh, news came out recently that you're going to sing on a Megadeth album. So I'm mm. assuming that's that's true. I don't see why it wouldn't be. Is that something that excites you, something that scares you? Does it? No, I, 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 honestly, Mitch, I'm excited that Dave's excited about it because, you know, we, we run a lot of ideas past each other and you never know which ones are going to stick, you know? Um, 
you know, and I, I was, you know, we, we were working up until about the end of July uh, on on the Megadeth album, and then we just had to shut things down so Dave could go into his into his cancer treatments, and and um, you know, we're throwing a lot of ideas, and you can feel like, okay, these three or four over here are really taking shape. This is developing. You got a couple. Always, there's a couple of stragglers over there. And right as I, you know, departed from the session um, to, you know, to get back home and then I set out on my you know, solo tour and everything, you know, Dave and I really found a connection there. And, and I, cause I realized, and I even said to him, I said, man, you don't need me to sit here and write riffs. It's like, you're, you're like one of the best riff writers in the world. Like literally that's Dave's sweet spot is just writing the most just killer riffs. So you don't need me to do that. And in fact, some of the best contributions I've done to Megadeth have been lyrical ideas. You know, like Dave and I, we saw that lyric. When, in 1986, we went home to my, to my home in Minnesota. I took Dave back to the farm in Jackson uh, on our way from L.A. out to New York City, where these where the label bidding wars and began for us. And we actually, then we ended up on Capitol, of course, out of that. But I took him back there and we were watching TV one night. And it was after this whole you know, farming crisis thing had happened. And on the TV one night, there was a, there was a show and it was called foreclosure of a dream. And you know, we held on to that for what, five years before we actually wrote the lyric, you know, and, and we were on the Judas priest tour on the painkiller tour doing our rust and peace, you know, tour when we were in in St. Paul at the civic center. And so this would have been the fall of 1990. Dave picks up his guitar in the dressing room. And he starts playing that riff for foreclosure of a dream. Right. And we started to develop that. And a couple months later, he saw me. I was reading a book, a, a Robert Heinlein, um, uh, like a, a sci-fi uh, book. And it was called Farmer in the Sky. And, um, you know, again, I know that subject. So I guess kind of on our theme here of this podcast of talking about, you know, these new endeavors and you know, starting close to home, you know, the farming thing I knew. So Dave said, he goes, you know what, why don't we call that song foreclosure of a dream? And then why don't you write the lyric around it? You know, since it, it's about, you've lived that as your family, it's you and your family, you've lived that life, you know? So, so that was where that started. So, you know, Dave and I'll have these very just random connections on things. And, and this, you know, this one for me to, Sing. He, when we were starting to write the record, he said it. He goes, you know what? I think this album, you need to sing a song on your own. You need to write it by yourself and you need to sing it by yourself. And it should be your song. And, you know, I've read those Kiss books, you know, so I always go back to Ace Fraley in his book when he talked about when Gene and Paul made him sing Shockman. Because he used to write songs and he'd have Gene and Paul sing them, you know, and, they, and one day they said, no, you're singing it. And I guess that's where I'm at. I'm here. I used to sing all the time in my bands growing up. Um, you know, Dave became obviously the singer of Megadeth kind of by default, you know, because we couldn't play the singer. So he was writing the lyrics. So he became the singer. And on my bass story, Sleeping Giants tours that I've been doing around the world this year, I've been singing a lot. Um, a couple songs, you know, If You Were God and another song, Feel Your Pain. That was an actually an F5 song that I, that I composed the music to. Um, we're in my vocal range. And so I stepped up and just started singing. I like singing. It's fun. You know, I, I, as I like bass player singers, you know, whether it's Gene Simmons, McCartney, Sting, you know, Phil and not, um, you know, I, I like that because you can tell that they're, they're, they were probably, they were the writers as well. You know, when you're a writer and you, I think it makes it a lot easier to be the singer too. Well, and I, and I find it interesting because you, you look at, a, there's, there's sort of two kinds of bands. There's bands like the Beatles and Kiss and all that, where sort of every member has a voice. And then there are there are bands where 
you know, like ACDC or, or uh, Metallica or whatever. And it's just the one guy doing the one voice, Megadeth was sort right. of that. And, and now you're adding this extra layer and this extra flavor and it's going to be interesting. And who, mm-hmm. who knows, hopefully it'll lead to more extra layers and extra flavors and you know, why not? Yeah, no, I, I agree. You know, I, I was, I look, I was very thrilled when Dave brought it up. I was, I was going, you sure, <laughs> you know, and, uh, but he, he really kept pushing on it, you know? And, and so I was happy to, you know, when I saw that he was talking about it publicly, I was like, wow, this is, this is very cool. So, uh, write your, um, write yeah, your I mean, own Beth, I think is what he said. Yeah, exactly. Well, it, it, it is, it's kind of a ballad. It's a, it's funny. It just started from this little riff I wrote and he just loved this little, this little riff. He goes, man, it's brilliant. Like that's, that's just amazing. And then, I sat down and started working on it and, and, you know, developed the music. And one day I just sat in his office and at his house in Nashville. And I said, Hey, I got this idea that came to me last night. And I just sat there with the acoustic guitar and I sang it. And I think that, I think that's what inspired it. It was like, wow. Okay. You've, you've got a grasp of the whole thing here. And, you know, that's one thing I learned with Dave is I would bring him a lyric and he would always ask, what's it about? You know? And it's like, if I had to think about it, then it, the, the idea wasn't done. You know, and it's you should be able to explain it in, you know, really in about one sentence. Like the new book, what's your new book about? How's a better rock star becomes a secret agent and goes kills some people. You know? All right, good. I like it. You know? So it's you know, if you if you can explain it in one sentence, that then you have a grasp of what the idea is as the author. Well, let, let's uh, let's hope he never asks uh, Joe Elliott to explain pour some sugar on me. <laughs> Razzle, little dazzle, video vamp, like uh, what are you saying there, Joe? Well, isn't it? Isn't it? Well, it's either that or the or the lyric or the title is so self-explanatory that it needs no explanation. Right. I guess, right? There you well, go. Well, hopefully that's hopefully that's the answer Joe would give us. You know, so right? Really, you have to ask. You know. Well, he is my interview next week, so I will ask him what he. But uh, on that, we we are yeah. at twenty-five minutes, so, so let us. Let us wrap this up. We will do another part at some point. But uh, just the, the last thing is these projects, these books, we're sort of aiming for 2020, but it might go to 2021. That's sort of what I'm feeling, right? Yeah, I mean, look, the Dwellers film is just being like the edits are done. There's a couple little, you know, um, you know, you still got to go through and do some balance work. On the, I mean, there's still a mixing to do. Um, probably what prompted it is it was a work in motion and we were excited to talk about it. And, and I did an appearance and I invited Drew to come with me to do an appearance up at the, uh, Niagara Falls, uh, Comic-Con, um, or the horror con, I guess it was up there in, when is that? Late October. And, you know, I appeared at some of these conventions and I thought, you know, for a change, rather than me just coming in as like, you know, famous music guy, it's like, let me come in and bring something like an actual horror asset to the to the convention, you know, sort of walk in and bring my own film, which opens up, of course, Q&A and banter and, you know, development of further ideas. And, and um, you know, but yeah, the, you know, for the actual distribution of it will definitely be 2020. Um, as far as the, you know, the books. Yeah, I mean, look, I, you know, the fiction thing is a whole new, you know, that's a whole new hallway for me. So I, you know, that's, that's going to, take what it takes i am pretty experienced with the um you know autobiographical memoir stuff i'd like to think the chris poland book hopefully we can get that out um you know 2020 i hope um and um you know by the time we turn the calendar i'm sure there's going to be some more stuff going on here and and 
you know, Megadeth, of course, we've got the tour starting up in January here with Five Finger Death Punch and Bad Wolves over in Europe. And then we're going to get uh, get hunkered back down again in Nashville uh, this spring to dig back into the record. And, um, you know, like I've always said, that record will be done when it's when it's done. I mean, it's it's an important record. Um, you know, we started it. And then, of course, a lot has happened, you know, and Dave's, you know, cancer recovery. There's there's some big things that have happened during the making of this record that that I'm sure will have an impact on the final outcome and maybe some of the lyric ideas and just a lot of stuff. So, you know, I think a great record in order for it to really connect with people, it's got to be heartfelt and, it's, and all that. And, and the heart of it has certainly it's it's been in a, in a transitional process just during the recording so you know it well that'll that'll come out when it's ready as it should by the way because you're you're at this point in your career where first of all you can't afford to have a dud because then you're just like oh the old band made a dud and oh my god they've lost it and then and you don't and you're also at a point where you have a catalog where it's like listen we're either going to add to this catalog if it's good enough or we're just not and and either way you win so and the fans win because you don't have that pressure by the record company to rush out, you know, nine shitty songs that weren't finished. Now you can just go, it'll be great and perfect when it's great and perfect. And that's when you yep. get it. And that's that great. That's exactly right. Yep. That is exactly right. You know, uh, gone are the days of the sophomore album where they like, oh, you got to hurry up. Come on, come on. Nope. Yeah. Nope. You know, we've done that a couple of times, you know, even, you know, the two, it's funny, the two records that I, you know, look, historically looking back that we, that we rushed to sort of stay on a, on a tour cycle were Risk and Super Collider. And I think they're the two records that had the, the softest response from the fans. Once people got into the records, they realized there were cool records, but you know, first impressions are everything. And, and, um, you know, so it, it's, you know, look, there's, we're, we've got a lot of stuff lined up and good stuff. And, and the first thing is, is, you know, now Dave's starting to, you know, publicly, discuss you know where he's at with his health and his recoveries and everything and that's moving along well but you know it's you know there's there's a human element to all this stuff too that you don't really think about when you're young because you don't think you're ever gonna you don't think about your mortality or your health and all this stuff so you just go 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 and then one day you know you, you kind of you know your attitude is oh, we'll deal with it later and then one day later shows up you know and you know i think this was definitely a bit of a bell ringer for all of us it's like whoa okay. Um, you know, and, and I gotta be honest with you, Mitch, you know, it's one of the reasons why I just say yes and move forward. You know, we don't, you don't always know the outcome. You don't know what lies ahead. And, you know, when I was there, you know, I talked about it in my, in my more life with death book, you know, I was there with my mother when she, when she passed away, which was, it was a beautiful moment. You know, she brought me into the world. I got to be there with her as she left this world. And, and it was, it was a beautiful moment. It wasn't a sad thing at all. And, and, and it really hit me. It's like, okay, you know what? Now more than ever, it's just go. You know, it's 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 you know, we're 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 only here for a while. You know, and it's you know, it's it's you know, the good Lord gave us these talents and gifts, and it's a real shame if we don't use them for the things He wants us to use them for. So off we go. Off we go. Yeah. See, so perfect. And on that, ooh, look at that. Some uh, so, some Yui Lewis started in the background there. <laughs> Uh, don't don't ask me why but uh, on that uh, sir as we I want say, a new drug i want you a new drug but actually you know what <laughs> i would suggest and uh, it, it, talking about this uh just real quick here I'm gonna, i just got to find the the reference but they put out a new song called um while we were Yo while we're young Huey lewis just put out a new song called while we're young 
take five minutes to go listen to the lyrics because it's actually it sort of speaks to our age and what we're doing. There's one line in there where he says, we're going to tell the kids that we're going to go out, but we also have to tell them that we're going to need time to recuperate after it. There's sort of this tongue in cheek about, <laughs> about, yeah, we're still young and vibrant, but we're also not young and vibrant. And it talks about, we keep saying we'll have more time when we really, anyway. I, I'll give it a listen. I, I, I love, I love Huey Lewis. I yeah. think he's super cool, man. I like him. And I, and so I think, I think lyrically you're going to, re- it's called while we're young. I think lyrically you're mm-hmm. going to go, that is fucking brilliant. That is brilliant. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's, I say that every day. Hey, while we're young, you know what I mean? And cause you know, I probably like you probably like a lot of your listeners, you know, uh, like I just turned 55 this year. I feel like I'm probably 35, you know, um, I used to think I was 25, <laughs> but you know, it's, uh, you know, it catches up with you a little bit, but again, it's, you know, it's, it's, it's just great to, you know, to just go, you know, and, and look, creativity never stops, you know, it doesn't stop until, until the day we leave the planet, you know what I mean? So that's the one thing, regardless of our physical capabilities, you can always, as long as the mind is sharp, you can keep creating and keep going. And, you know, that's, that's part of, that's why we have these conversations. Yep. Yes, sir. And, uh, on that, uh, merci beaucoup. I could ask you 20 more questions about sword and about all this, but yeah, we said on the next one, on, on the, the next, ne- yeah, we said 15, we're go. at 35. So there you go. <laughs> so much so we're right point. on schedule. <laughs> exactly. Perfect. I love it. Merci, monsieur. Bonsoir. Good night. Have a good night. Okay. Thanks, Mitch. Bye-bye. Cheers. Bye-bye. This has been Rock Talk with Mitch LaFon. For more exclusive content and interviews, subscribe on iHeartRadio, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, on YouTube, and many more. Follow Mitch on all the socials, especially Twitter, at Mitch LaFon, and on Instagram, at Mitch underscore LaFon. Get your Mitch merch now at loudtracks.com slash Mitch.